Hey, everybody, just letting you know that Mike Lindell and I, the MyPillow guy, we partnered up, and he wants to help this show, and I want to help him. If you go to MyPillow.com and order all the products you know you're going to buy, towels, sheets, blankets, robes, all these kinds of things, dog beds even, go to MyPillow.com and use the code word Kate, K-A-T-E. You're going to get the deepest discount on all these items. They're the very best of all these items. He handpicked these things, and let me just tell you, you're also going to help Truth and Radio, and you're also going to be helping Mike Lindell. Isn't that fantastic? It's a great combination that you can do right from your own home. Call 800-873-1052. That's the phone number, 800-873-1052. You can order directly on that phone number or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to put the code word Kate in. Thanks, you guys. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. For years, I have been fortunate if I got four to six hours of sleep a night. I took one dose of this, and for the first time in years, I actually got eight hours of sleep. And I woke up, and I look at the clock, and I'm thinking, holy cow, that's got to be wrong. And I feel good. And I'm a pessimist because I have tried many different products for losing weight, for energy, for this and that. And one dose of this, and I'm blown away. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code KATE. Name one time in history when the guys that wanted to ban the guns and books were the good guys. The Kate Daly Show starts now. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. The chancellor, the late chancellor, was only partly correct. He was obsolete. But so is the state, the entity he worshipped. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind. Love it. Mm, You know, of course, that was the iconic voice of uh, Rod Sterling, Twilight Zone. That was from an episode called The Obsolete Man. I don't know if you remember it. Um... Anyway, thank you to uh, Dr. Duke Pesta for coming on and talking about critical race theory, giving you a little bit more of an idea of what's at stake. It's not a curriculum. It's just an idea sort of passed off no matter what book is being read. I mean, it's worse than a curriculum because it's in everything. It's uh, it's pervasive. It, 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 it was, it's truly, you know, reading any book, you're going to get the idea that that book is or that book is telling us how bad America is pointing out how terrible America is. Can you imagine your kids uh, being in a room listening to this kind of stuff eight hours a day? Huh. Um, I can't. Anyway, 
It's just, it's too bad. It's terrible. And The Obsolete Man, uh, this was uh, starring, of course, uh, Burgess. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Burgess Meredith. And <clears throat> the opening narration, you know, did, did you guys catch that line? But like every one of the super states that precedes it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Boy, how much are we hearing that right now? Um, in this uh, in this one, you can actually get this on YouTube. And Burgess Meredith uh, starts out starts as Romney Wads, Wordsworth. Interesting, his name's Romney. Matches kind of our sellout Romney, our sellout horrific, horrific, horrific guy Romney. Anyway, this uh, played in June, nineteen sixty one on CBS. And uh, they did a later one starting uh, Jason Alexander. Now, the interesting um, part of this was there was another narration. So Serling, uh, Rod Serling, actually had another narration, but it was cut. And this is what he wrote in the longer narration towards the end of that when he talked about M for Mankind. This is what actually was written but cut out by the studios back in 1961. This is what he said. He said the chancellor, the late chancellor, was only partly correct because he's talking about this episode, The Obsolete Man. He was obsolete, but so is the state, the entity he worshipped. Any state, entity, or ideology becomes obsolete when it stockpiles the wrong weapons, when it captures territories but not mines, when it enslaves millions but convinces nobody, when it is naked yet puts on armor and calls it faith, while in the eyes of God it has no faith at all. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, and the rights of man, that state is obsolete, a case to be filed under M for mankind. That was the longer version of that statement. But this was a show about about Romney Wordsworth is put on trial for being obsolete, he professed occupation as a librarian uh, is punishable by death as the state had eliminated books. Remember what I told you about um, Bezos naming um, the Kindle Kindle because basically it was kindling for a book burning so that books could be electronic and therefore could be manipulated and changed. And for a lot of people, that's an aha moment. <laughs> they go, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about why it's called Kindle. Anyway, he said he believes in God, this gentleman, right? Burgess Meredith, the character he's playing. He said he believes in God and also proof of, um, uh, or as the state claims to have proven God does not exist. This is in a future totalitarian state, right? Following a bitter exchange, the chancellor finds Wordsworth, Wordsworth guilty and sentences him to death, allowing him to choose his method of execution. He requests that he be granted a personal assassin who will be the only one who knows the method of his death and that his execution will be televised nationwide. While televised executions are commonplace and the secretive method is highly unorthodox, the Chantler grants both requests. A television camera is installed in Wordsworth study to broadcast his final hour live to the nation. He summons the chancellor who agrees to this unusual request out of curiosity, arriving early in Wordsworth's final hour. Can you imagine just because he was a librarian? 
The librarian reveals that the execution method he chose is a bomb set to go off in the room at midnight. The chancellor expresses approval until Wordsworth further explains that the door is locked and the chancellor will die with him, providing the viewers with a more interesting death than to his own. He also points out, as the events are being broadcast live, that the state would risk losing its its status in the people's eyes by rescuing the chancellor. Then Wordsworth proceeds to read from his illegal, long-hidden copy of the Bible, expressing his trust in God. Wordsworth, calm acceptance of death, stands in sharp contrast with the chancellor's increasing panic as the bomb ticks away. And at the last minute, the chancellor breaks down and begs to be let go in the name of God. Wordsworth agrees to do so in in those terms and immediately unlocks the door for him. Wordsworth stays and the bomb explodes, killing him alone. Due to his cowardly display in Wordsworth's room and professed belief in God, the chancellor is replaced um, by, uh, by someone else and declared obsolete. He protests against this and tries to escape, but is overwhelmed by the tribunal's attendants, who then beat him to death. Wow. <laughs> what an episode, right? How many of you believe that in the future, the Bible might be, not be a book that you're allowed to read? I do. I absolutely feel like it will be villainized right before our eyes if we do not stand up to what's going on. I actually think there's more truth to this episode, The Obsolete Man, than what most people do. And in my studies, where we're going and some of the projects that they've done for the future, point to this, live TV, um, uh, executions, things like this. Absolutely. And that we that we could turn into a society that very much welcomes those kinds of things. If you think what's going on right now is crazy, give it a few years if we don't stand up. Hi, caller. Welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Hi, Kate. Hi. Rod Seiger was the real deal. He mm. jumped into Normandy. Mm. Yeah, he has some did, really did you know wonderful... That? I didn't. He has some really wonderful things on, on freedom. He was he was a real guy, man. He was... He was he Rod was, Sterling. He was, he was us, man. Yeah, was, that's those cool. Those shows were crazy. Yeah, they, I know. They were, they were wonderful. Yeah, they really were. Thank you so much for that. I did not know that. Um, yeah, it was it was really interesting to see his his statement. In fact, now that I've told you a little bit about the episode, I want to play his opening clip for you one more time. Here you go. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. The chancellor, the late chancellor, was only partly correct. He was obsolete. But so is the state, the entity he worshipped. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind. Mm. 
Good, huh? I, I wanted to bring that up because so much of our past shows can actually teach us a thing or two, can't they? I mentioned the show Mully uh, to people because uh, my friends actually introduced that movie to me and I had never heard of Mully. Uh, Mully is a man in Kenya who did um, some just uh, went by faith of God and uh, um, turned his back on his fortune and developed an orphanage for street kids. And his story is really amazing. Praying for water in a drought, he was guided to drill down for water and saved uh, the area and saved uh, these kids, hundreds of kids, hundreds of street kids. There are a lot of really wonderful things we can view. And there's a lot of things like Mully, like the movie Mully, you can get on Prime or Netflix. The movie 12 Orphans right now is excellent if you want a good movie to go watch in the theater right now. Um, but there's a lot of uh, shows like this from the past. This was 1961 that can really reflect into the future to show us what happens when they take over. And I know it sounds so crazy, doesn't it? We'll never get to a place where live executions are on TV. Honey, we've got porn on TV. <laughs> we've got soft porn on TV right now in our living rooms. You don't think they're going to get to a place like that? Of course they could. If the little, if the little uh, mob clan owns the media... There's, there's no telling where it could go, where people could be conditioned, right, to making sure it goes that way. In fact, in Project, uh, uh, was it Bluebeam? Um, they actually wrote that out as part of our future, that we would have live TV um, executions for people that believed in God, for people that, uh, that didn't want to take on what they were supposed to say from the state, that, that turned their back on on having to repeat the mantras. Look what's going on right now. You're told to get a genetic shot in your body and they're calling it a vaccine. They're lying to you. And even the inventor, Dr. Robert Malone of the RMN, RN, RMN, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't say this. Um, MRNA is telling you the truth about it. I mean, somewhat, not all the truth, telling you some of the truths. And do you believe him? When he says that they're going to come back and say, whoops, um, do you believe the entities that are telling you to get it? I mean, there are shows that do showcase in a really crazy way the future. And in 1961, no one thought we could ever get to a place where the Bible would be banned. They sure were able to showcase it in a way that was written out by a lot of projects that the government's done. Interesting. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. You are obsolete, Mr. Wordsworth. A lie. No man is obsolete. You have no function, Mr. Wordsworth. You're an anachronism, like a ghost from another time. I am nothing more than a reminder to you that you cannot destroy truth by burning pages. You're a bug, Mr. Wordsworth, a crawling insect. An ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. I am a human being. You're a librarian, Mr. Wordsworth. You're a dealer in books and two-cent fines and pamphlets and closed stacks and the musty insides of a language factory that spews out meaningless words on an assembly line. Words, Mr. Wordsworth, that have no substance and no dimension, like air, like the wind. Like a vacuum that you make believe has an existence by scribbling index numbers on little cards. I don't care. I tell you, I don't care. 
I'm a human being. I exist. And if I speak one thought aloud, that thought lives even after I'm shoveled into my grave. Delusions, Mr. Wordsworth. Delusions that you inject into your veins with printer's ink. The narcotics that you call literature. The Bible. Poetry. Essays of all kind, all of it. An opiate to make you think you have a strength when you have no strength at all. You have nothing but spindly limbs and a dream. And the state has no use for your kind. You waste our time, Mr. Wordsworth, and you're not worth the waste. Instruct him. Romney Wordsworth, step back to await the finding of this board. Yes, sir. How do you find, ladies and gentlemen? Obsolete. 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 I concur. Romney Wordsworth, step forward. The board finds you obsolete. Wow. <laughs> that was a, uh, a Twilight Zone episode. Board finds you obsolete. Can you imagine? The board finds you obsolete. Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. Um, the reason I play that, too, is uh, because... In, in Project Bluebeam in the future, they actually uh, have forecasted um, something similar to this, actually. Live TV executions where you, people have to denounce God on TV. This is what the government wrote. Um, Sergei Manasta actually talked about this and then um, was murdered talking about it. But uh, talking about how UFOs would appear and then people would... Um, hear voices and they would think that they were hearing the voice of God, but it would actually be a manipulated event. Um, and that, uh, people would, would be on TV. They would be sent to camps, um, to do exp experiments on them to forget their ideology and, uh, have to be one of those sheep like voices in the future. Now I'm not, the reason I'm saying this is because the government wrote this project Bluebeam. They actually wrote this. This was not my doing. I'm just giving you what they have written. But those were their ideas. It's interesting how in 1961, they could write a show that's very similar to Project Bluebeam and put it out there, and nobody thought a thing about it. They just all thought it was pure fiction. In the crazy world that we're living in today, with the fraudulent election, with everything that is so intensely insane right now that you think everyone's going along with this big charade, we're told we're in a plague. It's not a plague. It's not an airborne plague. It's the reason people wear the mask. It's not an airborne plague. It's been a year and a half. We'd all be dead if it was. We're told to believe things right in front of our eyes that aren't true, aren't we? We're told to believe it. Even though with our own eyes, no one has witnessed a plague or a pandemic. Nobody. Not one of you. Knowing somebody that's sick, that's, that's nothing. You've always known somebody that's sick. That is not evidence of a plague. Yet you're told to bypass what you see with your eyes, what you feel is confusing with your brain, and you're told to believe it anyway. You're told to believe that Biden was elected by the people of this country. He wasn't. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. 
It's the elephant in the room. Hardly anyone will talk about it. Media won't talk about it. I just, it's really amazing right now that we're told these things that aren't true. We're told to believe them. And there are still fools out there that believe we're in a plague. Fools. They're fools. Am I trying to be mean to people? No, but I'm trying to be very blunt because for some reason, it's like Cher said, snap out of it. You haven't seen a plague. You're not in a plague. Stop believing you're in a plague. Take the damn mask off already. Do not go for a vaccination that they are basically bribing you to take from the very government that's lied to you for years. Please don't do it. So Dr. Robert Malone was on Glenn Beck. And I do want to give you some of those uh, statements. This is Glenn Beck talking about Eisenhower. And then um, listen to what Dr. Robert Malone, inventor, he said he's the inventor of mRNA, vaccinologist. Listen to what he has to say. Listen to the warning. Here we go. President Eisenhower's farewell uh, speech. Everybody knows the part where he said military industrial complex. complex, But in that, he also talks about science uh, being funded by the government, um, science getting in bed with the corporations and the universities and the government. And I, I look at that speech and say, that is because we didn't stand guard like he warned us to. Um, this is this is the fruit of that. One of the things that your re- your listeners may not be aware of is this obscure thing called the Bayh-Dole Act. And what the Bayh-Dole Act does is it codifies in federal law that if inventions are made by people in academia or in industry, um, and those are patented, a bunch of the money that comes from selling those patents by the university or by the government goes back to those people. Now listen up to what he's saying. He's saying the Bayh-Dole Act, which is B-A-H-L slash D-O-L-E, yeah, for Bob Dole. It's This is the act in 1980 that passed. So let me give this to you again, his little clip on this. Here we go. So we now have this even kind of deeper connection that's going on here where we have folks that are making decisions about public policy that are having money flow back to them personally or to their employees and certainly their organization, for instance, the NIH. The NIH receives money. And the employees of the NIH receive money from the sales of Moderna vaccine. That's that's just oh the gosh. way things are. It's how we built the system. The same with Penn and the patents that they hold on these technologies. So this, this I used to think this was a good thing when I was an academic. You know, hey, I get an extra buck every Christmas. But there's something deeper here. It links when it gets to the point where The people making the decisions, calling the shots for all of us, have financial stakes in that. That's that's different, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. In fact, that was the uh, the Bald Dole Act. Um, Here it is again. And what the Bald Dole Act does is it codifies in federal law that if inventions are made by people in academia or in industry um, and those are patented, a bunch of the money that comes from selling those patents by the university or by the government goes back to those people. Mm, created the profit stream, right? How many people knew about that? Kind of amazing, right? So this was uh, 1980, okay? And 
<clears throat> and this is law, right? Uh, and so these were federal funding agreements with contractors, licensing of, of inventions owned by the federal government. And yeah, Bob Dole. Hmm. And Birch uh, uh, Bale of, uh, or Bob, Bob of Indiana. Bo, however you pronounce his name. So it set up a money stream, a really dangerous money stream that we're having to deal with now. So hat tip Barbara on this, letting me know about this. Um, Really appreciate that. Here's another one of his comments. Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of mRNA. Here we go. One of the things that's different, there are some things that my colleagues and I talk about with this outbreak uh, and we're perplexed about that are very different. Listen up. One of them is the censorship. Hmm. That's that's quite different. Um, And we the, the censorship extends all the way down into the academic literature it's wicked hard to, for instance, publish anything that has to do with drug repurposing. So mm, drug repurposing, like, oh, hey, we could use this drug for this, like hydro hydrochloroquine, uh, or we could use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Right. So he's talking about the fact that there's a lot of censorship. Here is a vaccinologist saying, wait a minute, what's going on with the censorship? And other doctors have been on saying the same exact thing. Um, wow. Truly, truly amazing. And uh, and I also, I just want people to know that he talked in depth about all of these things. Uh, listen up, Dr. Robert Malone. And, yep. and that, yep. you know, wow, that is a pretty big sacrifice because somebody... Let me back that up. Here we go. Mm-hmm. It's going to blow open the whole, it's going to compromise the entire vaccine enterprise. And it's going to compromise... Everybody's trust in the public health. Everybody. Yes, he's right. It will undermine. It has undermined. And the whole vaccine enterprise is really something people need to do a lot more research on while why they are pressing all of these vaccines. Dr. Lee Merritt said the same thing. She said, if the doctors would have talked more about hydroxychloroquine, we would not have had a vaccine to follow. We wouldn't have needed it. That uh, plant I tell you guys about, uh, the Purpua plant, uh, Saracena Purpua, that actually solved measles back in the 1850s, measles, typhoid, all kinds of things we still have vaccines for. He went on to say that, why are the students and universities being told when they have a zero percentage uh, to get this thing? Listen up. And, yep. and that, yep. you know, wow, that is a pretty big sacrifice because somebody at NIH has has a belief that we need universal vaccination. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you where it's really going to hit is aggravated mothers and students that are being forced to get vaccinated to go back to university right now. That that those oh, people don't have any risk. Those young people, their risk of COVID is almost zero. And yet they're being forced to mm. take vaccines that are experimental. This is experimental. clearly not OK. This is not right. And I think that those that are pushing these things are going to face a political blowback next fall, and they're going to regret this, and they better think twice about it. Ooh, that was Dr. Robert Malone. He said he was the inventor of mRNA. Um, and then, of course, today, big article on the new super shot that's going to be coming out that can change our genes. Folks, it's here. It's not coming out in 10 years. It's here. <laughs> This is what all the the people have been trying to say uh, since the beginning is uh, it's already transforming the cells. So 
This isn't something in the future, but they're trying to frame it as the future. It's not. It's here. But Dr. Robert Malone kind of warning everybody. So are people going to listen to him or are they just going to? And, and really, he wasn't telling the whole truth. There's more than just universities, public school systems that are going to try to force the vaccine down all of your throats. Um, the wearing of masks, the who came out and said you have to wear a mask even though you've been vaccinated, which makes zero sense. I mean, it's like Rod Serling says, you know, Sterling um, or Serling. What is it? Uh, you know, logic is the enemy. Truth is the enemy. You can't possess logic and, and try to possess any logic about this. People are still running around on a mask, being forced to wear a mask. We're not in an airborne plague. Look around you. Look around you. Makes no sense, right? So why are they foolishly doing this? I'll be right back. Kate Daly Show. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away Hi there. Boy, if I had to start over with just my children and my wife. You know, it's a great line. It's one of the reasons I love this song by Lee Greenwood. This was the newest version that came out last year. And I just wanted to mention my pillow for just a moment. Go to MyPillow.com. This show stays on the air uh, because of you ordering products with Balance of Nature, which I love that supplement more than anything, and also my pillow, which has fantastic sheets and towels and robes. The robes are amazing. And the slippers and the dog beds and the mattresses and the mattress toppers. You can't get better products. And this is a way to keep this on the show as well. I mean, this on the air as well. And I'm telling you, go to MyPillow.com and order up. Order up because you're supporting truth and radio every single time you do it. And I know you need the products because we all do, right? We all live with those products every day, but they're also great wedding gifts. We're in wedding season right now, and there's just a great way to support. Go to MyPillow.com and order with the word Kate, K-A-T-E as your promo code, up to 40% off. You can't beat it, and it's amazing. So please, by all means, support with getting fabulous products for it. You know what I mean? And, and Balance of Nature as well. Both products are just amazing. Um, I wouldn't talk about them on the show if they weren't. So I'm telling you what a great way, what a great thing for you to be able to have two things at one time and support Truth and Radio and then also have that. I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and that is I'm going to replay myself <laughs> from the earlier hour, the local hour, because I told a story about a man named Mully. And my friends were the ones that told me about this movie and I checked it out and it was just amazing to watch. Really inspiring. And I really do. I don't want jump off cliff, uh, jump off a cliff radio. I want to inspire with this show. And this was certainly inspiring because it tells, uh, it really does tell about a man who had it all and will willingly and voluntarily lost it all in order to be of service 
and have faith in God. I thought it was an amazing story about how it turned out. So I want to share this with you. And this is his voice thanking those people that um, go to Molly's uh, Children's Family's website. This is him speaking. Here you go. Thank you so, so much for your continued prayer and financial support. That has really uh, made us to come uh, to the level where we are. Aw, that was Mully um, himself, and they call him Daddy Mully, but he, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replay myself telling this story so I don't have to do it twice in one day. But I, I really wanted you guys to understand this story because there's so many elements to understand, and then also there's so many inspiring things here, even what happens in a drought, which they're going to tell us we're in a hardcore drought, and it's going to stop our crops, and it's also going to stop food coming our way, and so... He was divinely inspired. Listen up and uh, enjoy this for just a moment and really listen to all the the messages in this. There's just so many to cover. And then also, um, Mully is also a movie that you can check out on Prime or Netflix. I can't remember which one, but uh, it's on one of those. But uh, here here I am telling the story about Mully. Here you go. It's a powerful must watch. And the reason I wanted to bring it up in this hour specifically was because he has a very long story. Started out an orphan, abandoned by his family at 11 walks uh, into a church after getting really angry, of course, and and getting rejected by the only uncle uh, near him in in Kenya. He goes into a church and he starts to find God. And he then decides that he's going to make a new life for himself. And he walks uh, hours and hours and hours to the nearest city. And he knocks on doors for help, right? And he's begging and he's, and he doesn't have any money. And and this kid is just alone. And now he's, you know, closer to the other end of the spectrum in age, as far as like 18, 19. And he runs across um, this woman, this Indian woman knocks on her door and she allows him to come in and work inside the home and, and, and do dishes and, and all of that kind of labor inside the house. Well, her husband owns a business, farming business, and after six months of realizing that he was the real deal, that he wanted to just work hard and and he was a good guy, they gave him a job as a manager and he was able to leverage the position of manager into a huge amount of business, right? So he became a um, a entrepreneur, major capitalist, this I also want to stop it right there. He also started a taxi business. Um, He started taxing people around and he used a little bit of the money he saved um, because he had finally been getting this consistent wage. So he saved his money and he was able to buy up some industries that were very, very needed. Here you go. Guy just, everything he touched, it was just turning to gold. It was amazing. And he was a uh, millionaire, then a multimillionaire. And he had his, I think it was eight kids. And his life was going really well until he had a very, very powerful spiritual experience where he kind of surrendered to God and said, okay, what do you want me to do next? And it was basically get rid of everything you own, get rid of everything you own and and stop business completely. Stop business completely. Don't even address it anymore. Don't even try to make money anymore. Start worrying about these street kids taking in these, these street kids. So he started literally going into the streets and bringing the kids home with them. His family didn't love this idea very much because all of a sudden there were hundreds of kids roaming around their home and property. And, and, uh, and here he was, uh, he ended all of his businesses and, and, uh, didn't want to, you know, he just thought, no, I can't worry about making money anymore. I have to worry about service, about serving. What a powerful, powerful thing because his family was not okay with this at first. His wife went along with it, but she wasn't okay with it. And his kids were not okay with this. His kids were 
angry because their house was being overrun by all these kids and they actually felt, you know, rejected by their dad. And because all of a sudden now it was everything was about these orphans and some of these orphans could be violent or they could be, you know, angry and mad and no rules. And I mean, these kids were coming from situations that they weren't used to being in a home or a house, you know, a family. Long story short, he grows this opportunity with these kids and all of a sudden he's got so many hundreds of kids that he can't contain them on his own property. And so he moves to a property in Kenya that was out in the sticks. They moved to this property and he was basically just following God. He was saying, I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. He wants me to move out on this property. Well, there was nothing out there, no water, no buildings. What were they going to do? So he taught the orphan skills and they, they started building up this property Well, they were suffering a drought. And as they were suffering this drought, he was having to drive four hours away to get water, but the water had things in it that they couldn't even boil out of it. And so some of the kids started getting sick from this water and the, and, and honestly it was, he was having to travel so far for it. They wondered what they were going to do. There wasn't a drop of water in sight. They're in the middle of the desert. They're in Kenya on the outskirts. And what are they going to do? And this is one of the bigger lessons that I, I just really wanted to tell you guys, because he goes with his wife and he prays about what they're going to do about this water situation. He felt like they needed to be there. He also felt like they were going to, they were going to grow vegetables. They were going to grow food. They wanted to become, you know, um, self-sufficient. How are they going to do this in a drought? And how, how is he going to have enough food? Because the money started running out. He wasn't doing his big, big businesses anymore. What was he going to do to feed these kids? And donations started showing up just randomly and, and donations of food when they needed it. And all of these were miracles. But what he needed was a very big miracle. And that was what he was going to do about water. And you're in the middle of a desert and you're told that you're in a drought and you're told that only water sources are rivers and those rivers are far away. What are you going to do? Because the river water wasn't, wasn't good. He prays about it. And he was, he and his wife stand up and they were led to an area to build and drill a well. So he gets the orphans together. They go down, they start digging by hand, going down further and further and further. Now, mind you, even his own children who were involved in the, the, you know, the, the building of this well and the digging for this well, they were getting a little, you know, hmm, <laughs> those in, in my own religion, a little, a little layman and Lemuel, if you will. <laughs> anyway, they were getting a little bit uh, caustic because they were saying, look, there's no water down here and now we've hit rock. Now what? So your vision Whatever happened to you where God said, you know, build this, drill this well is not going to happen because we have now hit rock. We can't get past it. What are we going to do? And Molly felt like, no, you keep drilling because that is exactly where I was told to, 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 to dig this well. So they kept going and they kept going and they kept going. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, water starts springing out of this well. The most beautiful water you've ever seen, right? And uh, they built an entire system around this uh, for filtration. There was enough water coming out of this for farming, for uh, drinking, for all of the uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids, street kids coming to live 
at Molly Children's family. They ended up being this little haven of, of growth in the agricultural business. They ended up starting greenhouses. They ended up selling their produce uh, to fund these things, to fund all these children. They ended up growing this thing into something so substantial that it actually started to change the weathering patterns for rain in the area. They were growing so many trees. They planted uh, over one million trees. Uh, the trees were uh, growing. They had enough water. And what did it start with? It started with asking God, "Where? what do we do in a drought? Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> you know, his story, and there's so many details I'm leaving out that are so important to the story. Of course, I don't have time for that. But um, let me just tell you, it's a great movie to watch as an act of faith, what happens in an act of faith and how someone is tried and tested. The other thing is, is God didn't send rain. He had them drill down for water. <laughs> Can we please learn a lesson here, <laughs> please? Um, drill down for water. And it might it might take us to go very far down, but... The answer God gave him when he prayed for being in a drought and what to do and how to continuously feed these kids because the the donations that were coming in weren't going to be enough long term. He had to have some sort of way to be self-sufficient on that piece of property. And now that piece of property is this green, lush piece of property with all these buildings and greenhouses and everything. Um, But what an amazing man to be able to listen like that and will it willfully give up his fortune? Boy, how hard would that be? And then, of course, take all the hits because, I mean, he had a lot of hits. He had a lot of people that thought he was crazy, weren't happy with what he was doing. But he knew what he was supposed to do, and he stuck to his guns, and he did it. His kids, the ones that were the naysayers, the ones that were getting really angry with what their dad was doing, and I'm sure that they had every right to feel that way in the very beginning because it was such a shift from their lush life, right? They all ended up being a huge part of the business now. That is the Molly Children's Family operation all through Kenya and now other locations. And it really is teaching how to be self-sustaining. Um, teaching, And these kids have now really grown into the leaders of this organization. And he said, you know, I can't even say that my kids are going to carry this on because he said, God's in charge of this. So I'm just doing it for right now because he assigned me to it. And whoever he chooses to carry on with this, then great. But I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be in charge because I don't know after I'm gone. And he must be, what, near 70, 75 years old now. It's still running this. Isn't it amazing, though, that even though he gave up his fortune, he still runs a business that is completely self-sustaining. His needs were taken care of. It's just you have a little bit of faith and you can do so much. And it was such a lesson to me on, you know, staying your ground and sticking to what you believe in and sticking to what you know, and then also being open. Because, you know, he didn't say, should I, he didn't pray and say, should I build a well? He just said, can you please help? Because we need some kind of way to conquer this, this drought that we're in. And I really do think over the next decade, besides for Project Bluebeam, some of the things they have in mind there, where they're going to maybe do some things that are going to be very, very strange. It would be very strange to us right now. Um, and that manipulation, the heavy manipulation and the ousting of, of Christianity, they're going to try and the ousting of the Bible and all those things. How are we going to have enough faith to stick to our guns? And how are we going to solve the problem of a drought? Well, 
because I do think our, our inflation's about to go up, our, our, our risking our, our food supply now. <clears throat> what, what are we going to do? Well, it's going to take a lot of faith and it's going to take a lot of know-how. And so many have been so improperly educated on the subject of water. And if we could be properly educated, I think we could solve a lot of problems and also be open to faith and be open to the answers. It's interesting how even in the Bible, you go down for water. You don't, it doesn't just come from on high, from snow cap, you go down for it. But what a great lesson that was in being open and faithful and listening. Check out that movie, Molly. You'll love it. Twelve, check out 12 Orphans as well. That's in the movie theater right now. Molly's on like Netflix Prime, but Molly, M-U-L-L-Y, Emma's and Mary. Um, and then um, also check out 12 Orphans. Great show. Great show. Uh, there's some really good uplifting things right now. And I know we need to be uplifted more than ever right now. Be faithful. Be fearless. I'll see you back here tomorrow with Tom DeWeese and Uncle Milty. Everybody have a great night. Mm-hmm.